It's Palm Sunday. For nearly 2,000 years, Christians have celebrated this day, worshiping our Lord Jesus Christ. Yet this year is different. And the crazy thing is, as Pastor David said, is different for all of us all at once. And is different all around the world. And because of that, our celebrations are going to be different. No large church services, no great choirs or congregations filling a sanctuary, singing together our songs of praise. And in our church, for 29 years, this will be the first time we haven't been together to do this day of resurrection. We're apart, but we're going to get through this together. Why? Well, we still have the essential ingredient, Jesus. No matter what, no matter where, we can still worship Jesus. Can I get an amen? We can still worship Jesus. We can bring Him our anxieties, our fears. We can seek to be encouraged through His gifts of faith and hope. And we lift our prayers to Him as the author and perfecter of our faith. And of course, we still have one another. We might not be able to see each other and shake hands and give high fives and hugs and all the other stuff we would do. But we can call. We can video chat. Uh, you can do like people I've seen, and they're still visiting with one another in the neighborhood, but they're sitting far apart on their driveways or sitting on their driveways on opposite sides of the street visiting with one another. Whatever you do, you can do it. Just got to consider how you would do it in a way that would help keep yourself and others safe. Life has turned upside down. Our When Life Turns Upside Down series started two weeks ago, um, and we did an overview using John 14, where Jesus was preparing his disciples for his death, resurrection, and departure from them. He's saying things are going to be different. Here's what you need to know. If you didn't listen to that already, you can go listen to that on our podcast or Vimeo or back on the Facebook page. Last week, we talked about praying through the Lord's Prayer as a model prayer, not just for our day-to-day -day life, but even when things get scary like they are now. And next Sunday, Easter Sunday, we're going to be talking about overcoming anxiety when the world turns upside down. And here we are, this Sunday, Palm Sunday. So if you haven't already opened your Bibles to John chapter 12, I'd invite you to do so. John chapter 12, verses 12 through 19, is a typical Palm Sunday sermon uh, text. It's the triumphal entry. But wouldn't you know, by God's providence, that it speaks to where we're at today. Because for me, one of the questions I had when life turns upside down is, do I still worship Jesus? And how do I worship Jesus when I'm worried about things or when I'm fearful about things or when I'm just downright mad at God because why is this happening to us? Well, let's read God's word and we'll pray and we'll consider it together. The next day, the great crowd that had come from the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. 
Now the crowd that was with him, when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had given miraculous sign, went out to see him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. That was John chapter 12, verses 12 through 19. Let's pray together. God, our Father, we open your word together again. And though we are not in the same room together, your spirit is with us wherever we're at. And you desire for us to learn from this text like you do every week. And it's my prayer that through my study, but most especially by your Holy Spirit, that you would communicate to us the exact truth we need to encourage us and strengthen us, to make us more like Jesus and learn how to worship Jesus even when life turns upside down. We thank you, Father. It's in that name of Jesus we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. If you've got your sermon outline this week, you see we've got a new scripture of the month. It's April, new month, new scripture. This one's short, this one's simple. It's Luke 24, 8. I don't even have it memorized yet, but it's simple. I've written it down in the NIV, and what's it got? Just five words. Then they remembered his words. I picked that because it's part of our sermon from next week, but I think it's good for us to know all the time, but especially now that we remember the words of Jesus when life turns upside down, when things aren't going as we expect. So your first point on your outline uh, today is that Jesus turns life upside down. And Jesus turns life upside down, and that's out of verse 12. Uh, Last week we did something a little different where we asked our kids to draw pictures and any of you that are children at heart. And this week, kids, there's six points, and so if you have one sheet of paper, draw a line down the middle and draw two more lines and make six panels, kind of like a cartoon. Or maybe if you got a lot of paper, draw six different pictures. But draw Jesus turning you upside down. I mean, literally, could you draw a picture of Jesus holding you by your ankles and turning you upside down like he's playing with you? Maybe. But for us as adults, as we turn our attention and kids too to Scripture, look at what it says there in John chapter 12, verse 12. It says the next day. Well, this is kind of typical of John. He is summarizing what happens before, and he's using a phrase like that to transition to a new story about Jesus' life. And he's drawing us into what's going to happen next. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. Now, Jesus had been staying out in Bethany with Mary and Martha, Lazarus uh, as well. And it was kind of down the valley and across the way, a short walk, almost like a suburb of Jerusalem, if you will. And because those were his friends, that's where he stayed when he came to Jerusalem for the feast. But he's coming into town. And we know this Palm Sunday. We have this pictured in our mind where everything that's going to happen in these verses ahead is happening. But it's interesting here. There's no social media, but they were social people. And this news traveled fast. And it wasn't a virus and it wasn't a financial crisis that's following her because of a virus. It was just a man, right? But Jesus was one that turned life upside down. He did things differently than anybody else had ever done. And he said things differently than anyone else had ever said. He honored the Jewish religion of his heritage, yet he confronted its corrupt religious leaders. 
He preached and taught with prophetic authority, yet he lived humbly and genuinely. He uplifted women, children, slaves, and the downtrodden in a world at that time that wanted to maintain those strict systems. He performed countless miracles of which there were no way to excuse oneself around those. He had supernatural divine power, yet he was still fully man as well. Jesus did turn life upside down. Think about what John says in the end of his gospel, John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31. He says, Jesus performed many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But verse 31, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Why did God have these men, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, write down these four different Gospels in their four different ways? So that you and I would believe that Jesus is his Son. Now, it's interesting to point out, since I just mentioned Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that um, this story here, as we're telling it through John, is slightly different told in Matthew and Mark and Luke. And although some scholars might say, well, this, you know, they make excuses that the, the story must not be real or they're telling different stories or they weren't there. That's not it at all. It's just the way that different people would tell the same story. And John, writing much later, telling it on purpose uh, as he's considering the worldview he's confronting. So back to our scripture, however, and we've got a question for you. That first question on your outline today is, how has Jesus changed my life? If you know him as your personal Savior and Lord, how has he changed your life? Is there evidence in your life that you are a Christ follower? And I'm not talking just your church attendance, just the radio station you tune into that happens to be Christian, or the t-shirts that you wear, or the bumper sticker on the back of your car. Do you have a personal, growing relationship with Jesus? He can change your life. He will change your life if you let him. What about those that haven't yet trusted Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord? We'll talk more about that in a minute. Jesus does turn life upside down. He's turned it upside down and the people of Jerusalem have realized this and are coming out to worship him here. And that's what we're talking about today. And your second major point on your outline this morning is Jesus celebrated as the coming king. Jesus celebrated as the coming king. So kids or any of the rest of you drawing it, draw Jesus coming on a donkey. Draw people waving the palm branches. You know that picture. You've seen it here in our own sanctuary portrayed if you're a member of Southview. Now, critics might say, well, there weren't palm branches growing in Jerusalem because of the altitude and the elevation and the climate. Yeah, well, people came from other places. And when they came, they brought the palm branches and other type of branches with them to help build the shelters of the shelter of booths, tabernacles that they were there worshiping. And so they would have some place to stay. They went out to meet him. It's like a hero's welcome, it says. And then they shouted three different phrases at Jesus as recorded here in John. The first one is Hosanna. Hosanna literally means salvation now. It's saying, you know, uh, this is what we want. And it's an ironic twist because the people that are shouting salvation now believe he's bringing salvation from the Roman government, the Roman authorities that they might have seen as oppressing them. 
But that's not at all the type of salvation Jesus is bringing. Jesus is bringing eternal salvation to them. So even though they're shouting it, and it had one meaning when it was recorded in Psalm 118, verses 25 through 27, where they bring it from here, they believe it has another meaning, but Jesus is really speaking back to that historic meaning of eternal spiritual salvation. The second thing they say is, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That designation, he who comes in the name of the Lord, is messianic as well. They're saying, we believe he is the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior. And then that final one, where they identify him as, blessed is the King of Israel. Nathaniel called Jesus that, as recorded in John chapter 1, verse 49. The people wanted to make Jesus the king of Israel, as recorded in 6, verse 15. But Jesus, as I stated a few moments ago, wasn't the king they were expecting. He wasn't a political king. And they would have acclaimed him that way if he would have let them. But they didn't fully understand. Jesus turned life upside down. And as the king, he is the king, not only then, but today. So our question for you there on your second point is, how can I worship Jesus today? They were celebrating him as he's coming into town. How can I celebrate him now? Well, you might be going, "Um, Pastor Aaron, we're worshiping him right now. We just watched Jason and Myra lead us in worship. You know, we're in our house, we're on our couch, and maybe you want to hashtag that as couch church, you know. Uh, Pastor David even said take a picture and share it on social media. You can put it in the comments. I thought it was funny that he put if you're dressed appropriately. Granted, you might have some really fancy pajamas you're watching church in today. I don't know. If you want to share a picture of that, that'd be great. But no matter the situation, whether we're at home on our couch, whether we're in our pajamas, or whether we're still on our Sunday best sitting in the pews here. We can worship Jesus, right? But remember, worship doesn't just happen on Sunday morning. Consider what Colossians says in chapter 3, verse 17. It says, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him, that everything we do is worship the way that we live our lives and serve and work is worship. Jesus turned life upside down and so we worship him. Your third point on your outline this morning comes from verses 14 and 15 and that is that Jesus identified as the savior of everyone. Jesus identified as the savior of everyone now kids if you're drawing your picture draw a picture of jesus loving people hugging people giving high five to people maybe you want to draw a serious picture and draw a picture of jesus dying on the cross that's how he demonstrated his love to everyone ultimately we come back to our text here and see where i get my point in verse 14 it says that jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it as it is written Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. Now, interestingly enough, um, John changed that quote. That's from Zechariah 9.9. But John, there's debate on scholars whether he uh, did it on purpose or not. But the quote is actually, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. 
So the people that had come to this festival of worship that Jesus had come to would know this passage of Scripture and would know that somebody coming on a donkey's colt is the person that is the Messiah because it had been prophesied hundreds of years ahead of time. So when Jesus comes on this colt, he's identifying himself as Savior to everybody who's looking and all of us that are looking back even through Scripture these 2,000 years later. Jesus is saying to everyone, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Savior, and I can save you too. Which leads us to your third question on your outline. When did Jesus save me? Now, if you're a believer in Jesus, you can answer these four questions uh, that follow that. And four questions that are about your testimony, your story as a believer in Jesus. And the first one is, what was my life like before following Christ? The second one is, How did I know I needed to trust Jesus as my personal Savior and Lord? The third one is, how did I actually trust him as my personal Savior and Lord? What did I say or pray or who was with me or what was I reading that changed my mind that I finally committed my life to Jesus and laid down sin and self? And the fourth question is, what's my life been like since I trusted Jesus as my personal Savior and Lord? If you can answer those four questions and just a few sentences for each one, then you've got yourself a personal testimony. A personal testimony you could write in just a few minutes and put it on Facebook for people to read. A personal testimony you could share whenever you visit with somebody. But maybe you've never trusted Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord. Did you know you could do that today? You can admit to God that you are a sinner. You can believe that Jesus is exactly who the Bible says that he is. And you can confess Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord. It's that simple. If you want to know more about that, email me, Aaron at SouthviewBaptist.org, or call our church office, 402-423-5062. You can find that information on our website as well, SouthviewBaptist.org. Because Jesus does love you, and he died to save you, and he wants you to be part of his family. So as we move ahead in our scripture here, we remember that God loves us. He sent Jesus to die for us. He wants us to trust him. He wants us to worship him. And now we come to our fourth point on our outline. Our fourth point on our outline is that Jesus' disciples didn't understand yet. Jesus' disciples didn't understand, and you might underline or circle that word yet. They were going to understand, but not yet. So kids, if you're drawing your picture um, on this one, don't draw a picture of you. Draw a picture of your mom or dad when you tell them something and they're like, huh? And they don't understand or they don't get it. Can you draw a picture of your parents with a confused face? I'm sure you can. Maybe that's the picture you want to share with us later in the comments or email it to me, right? But look at verse 16. Verse 16 says, at first his disciples did not understand all this. They were foggy. They were confused. Jesus was unlike anyone who had ever lived. And Jesus was doing something on God's behalf, redeeming all humanity, and then establishing the church to continue the ongoing call of people to God's kingdom, unlike anyone had ever done. So don't get mad at the disciples. Don't think that they're a bunch of dummies, that they walked with Jesus for these three years, they heard him preach, they saw him do miracles, and they didn't get it yet. I'll never forget when I was a kid, my mom said, hindsight is twenty twenty, and I finally kind of went, um, what does that mean? You know, hindsight is not a word you hear in any other phrase other than that, right? And I'm like, hindsight is twenty twenty, twenty twenty. what's that mean? 
And she went on to explain to me, hindsight's looking back in 2020 is perfect vision. Why is it called 2020, Mom? Well, I don't know that, she said. We didn't have Google back in those days, right? Maybe you need to figure that out yourself. But looking back at Jesus' life, later, after he died, after he was buried and dead for three days, and after he rose again on the third day, and he comes back and begins explaining things to the disciples, then all the light bulbs went on, that he really is the Messiah. And this is exactly what he's talking about. And John's foreshadowing that right here, right? He says, at first the disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him yeah you've had that happen to you before haven't you which leads you to your fourth question what am i learning about jesus there's times when it seems like it goes on forever in our walk with jesus we're being faithful we read our bible we pray and we're learning little things all along the way but then something happens and it's like boom a big light turns on or something that may have been building in us in a while or we hadn't figured out for a while that we were really struggling with, a concept about theology or surrendering to God for something in our life, then all of a sudden something clicks, something changes, and we get it. And Jesus becomes more real to us and more personal to us. And our understanding of the Bible goes deeper than ever before. And it's a gift from God by his Holy Spirit when he does that. Isn't that amazing? So I would hope that you can answer that question. What am I learning about Jesus? And not what did I learn last month or what did I learn last week? Or, but what did I learn today? What in the midst of all this life turning upside down, COVID-19 sort of mess where we're at home and we're teaching our kids even though we're not professional teachers and we're getting a new appreciation for our families and sometimes the stress is getting to us. What are we learning through all this? What is it that God intends to teach us, right? If we're following Jesus, we should be a student, a learner, an apprentice, a disciple of Jesus. It's a relationship with Jesus that we spend time together and over time we learn more from one another. Well, in this case, we learn more from Jesus. Remember that scripture in John chapter 3, verse 30, when John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, said of him, that he must increase and I must decrease. That's what should be happening in our lives. That's sanctification, right? That's being holy or being set apart, becoming more like Jesus. And it's a process of a lifetime that we walk with Jesus and we get a little closer to him and a little more like him. And after time, we look more and more like Jesus. Back in the day, I used to play football. I know you look at me now and you think, well, I was the smallest guy in a 5A high school football team in Texas. And, you know, I was just a, a, a scout team hero and a special teams guy, right? But at the end of every one of our practices, old coach Carlos Berry, and he had his big jaws, and he talked, all right, boys, huddle up, everybody, huddle up. And he'd say, break it down now. And he'd call somebody's name and somebody would get to break it down. That was always kind of cool if coach called your name to break it down. But you got to say the same thing, right? So the guy that was breaking it down would be in the middle of the huddle with a whole team of like 50 dudes around him. And that guy would say, every day. And everybody else would respond, every day. And that guy would say, getting better. And everybody would respond, getting better. And every day, getting better, getting better. And then you say, one, two, three. And my team was the Rebels. And we go, Rebels. And then we went off to the locker room to take our shower, right? That was the way we finished practice every day. And somewhere along the way, after doing that for months, it dawned on me, am I really getting better every day? 
Am I really trying harder? Did I learn something new today from my coach? Yeah. Uh, did I practice a skill where I could use it in a game setting or even in practice to be better on the scout team? I hope so. And so when I really thought about that, it became more meaningful to me. And it wasn't just I'm going to get psyched up and I'm going to yell it because the coach tells me to, but I began to believe that. How many of us need to be like that with old coach Carlos Berry there when it comes to our walk with Jesus? That every day, in every way, I'm getting better, I'm getting better. I'm becoming more like Jesus. Jesus turns life upside down for us. And because that we worship him, he saves us, and we're still growing in our understanding and still becoming more like him. And in this passage of scripture, as we move on, your fifth point there, your fifth point is that Jesus' reputation attracts attention. If he's this kind of life-changing, world-changing, upside-down sort of guy, he's going to attract attention. So kids, if you're drawing a picture, this would be your fifth picture, draw a picture of why you love Jesus. I draw a picture of Jesus doing something or saying something or maybe you with Jesus. You're hanging out, talking. Why you love him? Adults, you might consider that as well. Look at verse 17. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Now if you got your Bible there, right? You might not even have to turn a page. I just had to turn back to chapter 11 of John, the death of Lazarus. And you read that story, and you might read that later today, or you could even push pause and read it right now if you wanted to, I guess. And you find out that these are the same folks that were there, and they knew Lazarus had been dead for four days. And four days he had been in the tomb. And people don't wake up from the dead ever, but much less after four days as there was this Jewish folk belief that the um, spirit of the, uh, the person hovered over the body for three days. But after four days, even all the Jews thought it'd be gone. But they knew that this was Jesus. And because they knew that Jesus called Lazarus out of the tomb, dude, this guy's back in town. The guy that raised our buddy Lazarus from the tomb. Uh, I knew Lazarus was dead. I was at his funeral or I heard about Lazarus being dead. I got to go see this Jesus dude to see what he's doing next, right? And what does it say there? They continued to spread the word and that many people, because they had heard that he had given this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. Jesus, because of what he'd done, because of his display of supernatural, miraculous power, grew a crowd. Um, years ago, my family took this little mini vacation. And we went to the Mall of America in Minneapolis. I don't know if you've ever been there. The place is immense, man. Like to walk around is like a mile. Uh, how do I know? Because I, I, I had the little app on my phone. And it's like a mile around. And they got three levels that are a mile around. And we just happened to be there when this YouTube star, Miranda Sings, was going to be there. And Mary Elizabeth at the time, my daughter, just thought Miranda Sings was the coolest thing. And so it was Miranda was going to like come out and talk to people. She didn't sing or anything she was just going to come out and talk and be herself right and ooh and on people were going to well we were going to be there so we got there at time and it was already people crowded in and you know this atrium area that was huge and open and so uh you know we're we're on one of the second or the third level looking down at this stage and we're waiting and we're waiting and people are chanting her name and she comes out and she's all sweet and nice and everybody's like oh and I'm like okay can we go now <laughs> Mary Elizabeth of course says oh she's so cute and she's gonna hate that I say this I'm sorry Mary but because of who she was and this 
famous person that being silly and being nice and all the other things that she did on the internet, I mean, she's a YouTube star, right? She attracted this amazing crowd, and we just happened to be there. Jesus did some amazing things. There wasn't even social media to spread it. And this crowd of people comes out to hear him because of his power, because of his fame. They wanted to see him, to hear him for themselves. So I've got a question to apply for us there. And that's your fifth question on your outline. Your fifth question is, how can I tell others about Jesus? Um, It's one thing to, you know, forward a video of somebody who's cool on YouTube to someone else. Hey, watch this. This is really funny. This is really cool. But what about Jesus? If Jesus is changing our life and if we're growing daily because we're reading God's word and we're praying and we're becoming more and more like him every day in every way, we're getting better, we're getting better. Do we tell people about Jesus? You know, they may not get the buzz and they may not get the palm branches and he may not have all three levels of a mall atrium crowded up, but they should be able to see him live through us. They should be able to see that our lives are different. I mentioned Colossians chapter 3 earlier in verse 17. Uh, Verse 23 of Colossians chapter 3 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as one working for the Lord, not for men. So that because Jesus is real in us, we live and work differently. Consider what 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 15 says. It says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asked you to give the reason for the hope that you have but do this with gentleness and respect we should always be ready to tell people about jesus we're coming to the end of our passage of scripture and we're going to be ending our sermon soon we see that jesus really did turn life upside down and we worship him because of that because he saved us and he's growing us and changing us but we got to be aware however that not everyone's going to be happy with us that's your sixth and final point your sixth and final point on your outline is that jesus upsets some people Jesus upset some people then, and he's still going to upset some people now. Um, Kids, if you're drawing a picture, maybe draw yourself with an upset face. Uh, Make it the best you can so we really know that you're upset, okay? Um, And if you want, yeah, share that picture with us as well. Look at what it says there in verse 19, John chapter 12, verse 19. So the Pharisees, these were the religious leaders of the Jewish people, and they didn't like Jesus because he was contrary to what they were doing and the way they were doing it. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere, all their plots and plans against him. Look at how the whole world has gone to him. Well, obviously they're speaking in hyperbole, but we tend to do that when we're frustrated or sad or worried about something. They're saying, we can't stop this. Our question for us that's your sixth and final question on your outline. Who is frustrated by Jesus today? Maybe it's you. Maybe you've lost your job. You're worried. You're anxious about your job. Maybe you're worried or anxious about your health. Maybe worried or anxious about someone else you know, that their job or their health. And you might be wondering, why doesn't Jesus make a difference? Who says he isn't? Or why doesn't he stop all this COVID-19 and just end it all? Who says he isn't? Now, my point isn't uh, that I need to argue or defend Jesus. The Bible can defend him fine without me. My point is that not everyone is going to understand Jesus. And more than that, not everyone is going to be happy with Jesus or you, his follower. Now, 
Certainly don't be a Christian jerk. Don't give them a reason not to like Jesus because you're thumping the Bible at them and you're being judgmental and holier than thou. But don't be surprised when people don't share your values, when they don't understand what you understand, when they don't care about what you care about. Don't be surprised when they're even oppressive or mean towards you because you carry the name Jesus or you dare mention Scripture in public or something like that. We consider the things that we saw in our passage of Scripture today, looking at them through a little different lens that we have now. COVID-19 and social distancing and all that is going on in our world and our economy. And here in Lincoln, Nebraska, where we're at, to know that the predicted peak of the virus is still three weeks away for us. And what's that going to mean for people we know and even in our lives? We see that just as the triumphal entry was celebrated about Jesus all those 2,000 years ago, we still have a reason to celebrate and worship him today. In the midst of everything that's going on in our life, we worship him for the very same timeless reasons. He's still God in the flesh. He still loves you. He still died for you. And he'll still save you if you ask him to. And he'll make an abundant, eternal difference in your life if you allow him. Let's pray together. God, our Father, we thank you so much for your word that is always true. And we thank you that in the midst of everything that could concern us and worry us and cause us anxiety and fear today, that your word is truth. And you're still God. And your son, Jesus, is still Lord. And all the power he had that he demonstrated in the Bible then, he still has today. And the reason he came was to make salvation available to us. So God, our Father, it's our prayer that if anyone has trusted Jesus as their personal Savior and Lord today, as a result of this recording, that they would let us know that and we could help them grow in Christ Jesus. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus, that maybe today we need to let go a little of our pride and we need to surrender and we need to ask somebody to give us some help and encouragement and teach us and lead us to be more like Jesus. God, whatever it is, would we be more like Jesus today as a result of the time we've spent studying your word together than we were however many minutes ago before we started this? We thank you, Father, for your presence with us by your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the gift of Scripture, but mostly we thank you for saving us through your Son, Jesus. It's in his precious name we pray. Amen. Well, folks, thanks again for worshiping with us at Southview Online. It's our privilege to join you in your living room or wherever you're watching with us. If you need anything, remember, email me, call me, contact our church office, whatever we can do. We'll be happy to do it for you. Thank you. God bless you. We'll be praying for you.